Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Ron Basick-Smith. He is co-founder and CEO of Sauna Packaging. We're going to talk to him about the cannabis industry. We're going to talk about what they're doing to innovate in packaging. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about sustainable packaging and what packaging means in the cannabis industry right now. We're seeing huge amounts of growth in cannabis, which is really changing the game for a lot of suppliers and, and folks that are giving cannabis companies what they need to operate be successful. So I'm fascinated by this kind of the whole supply chain and all the things that go into actually bringing cannabis to market and and packaging is a big part of that. So we're going to talk about details of that. We're going to learn more about Ron's story and the background of Sana and his entrepreneurial experience with that. Ron, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bruce. Yeah. So before we get into the ins and outs of packaging and sustainable packaging, tell us a story. How did, like, what's your professional background? How did cannabis come up? How did you start this business? Tell us about the journey you've been on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. The uh, sauna packaging has been quite a journey for me, uh, very much a personal problem that I'm trying to solve with our company. Cannabis has played a major role in my life since high school. And, you know, moving forward, I the brain where this all started, uh, moved out to Colorado in 2011. I was working in the liquor industry for 
about four years. Mm -hmm. In that time, saw the development of the cannabis industry, but also saw the role that single-use materials were playing in our environment. And you know, from a consumer standpoint, how you know us as consumers had to interact with those products. And so, you know, me going into dispensaries throughout Colorado as legalization was happening, really just kind of saying, you know, here's this new industry. Look at all this packaging. What's the game plan here? How do we not have this same problem recreated with a whole new industry? You know, very much, I think, with sustainability, it's always implemented from the from the beginning. It's harder to go back than to uh, yeah. start on the right foot. And yeah. so that's really our, our big thing with the cannabis industry. It's, you know, we all know that packaging is a problem. Let's see what we can do to, to make it less of a problem. Yeah. And what was, I'm curious, your, I guess, the, your kind of knowledge, experience with packaging before getting into this, was this, you, you saw the problem and then then went about educating yourself on really how all this stuff works? Did you did you have some experience that you were bringing to the table? What was, what was that process like? Yeah, you know, I think my, we always say we're not packaging folks, both myself, my co-founder James, we have no background in packaging. We approach it, you know, my education was in sociology, my undergraduate education, very much, you know, environmental sociology is my main main area of focus. So, you know, is that's really where my expertise comes from is what is actually going on in the environment? What role is packaging playing in that? Both James and myself, a co-founder, we met in graduate school, an MBA program at CU Boulder. So we were studying entrepreneurship and sustainability as our, as our main areas of focus. But yeah, once again, not really packaging. And so I think that's really, I always think our, our biggest advantage is that we're not a packaging company. Yeah. You know, it makes it easy for us to, you know, now that we are a packaging company, obviously we have to, we have to sell packaging and stuff. But from the very beginning, we could kind of just say, this is what we want to do. Yeah. And if our business doesn't do that, well then, you know, we need to change something about our business model. Yeah. There's always an advantage of, you know, coming into a market fresh, you know, like I call it beginner mind or novice eyes, you know, it's like, you're not tainted. You're not, you're not bringing in preconceived ideas or assumptions about how things should or shouldn't work. And so you can ask some questions. Um, I'm curious what, what kind of fresh eyes did you feel like you have or, or things that you saw in the industry that you said, Hey, look, does it really need to be this way? What were some of the things you noticed? Yeah, I mean, I think from right from the start, you know, putting sustainability as our main point of our business, basically, I think traditionally in the packaging model, you see two main things when someone's, you know, someone's going to manufacture packaging, one, low cost, and two, how can we decrease the risk of product failure, basically, we look at that and say, you know, for things to be sustainable, we need to switch that model. First and foremost, you know, obviously cost is a concern, but let's not make that our number one concern when going into product development. Let's kind of put that as a, you know, secondary thought, right? Let's see what we can produce and then figure out how we can, you know, get the price down. But knowing that there's people out there who are looking for these products, let's first try to make make that product. And then the risk is the, is the other thing, you know, that a, a large corporation, large packaging company, oftentimes, you know, they have salaries and payroll and all those yeah. things that tend to keep keep going, keep the lights on, basically. As a startup, obviously our number one goal, but we don't have the same realities as a functioning, you know, fully functioning business of our staff is small and we don't grow our staff beyond what it needs to until we know we, know we can, you know, afford to do that without changing our business model. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You know, the big thing is really being able to build it from the ground up so that we can accomplish what we need to. So kind of yeah. just shifting the paradigm a little bit with how a traditional packaging company might approach their product development 
And then obviously we say, you know, it's the cannabis industry. The rules of the game haven't been established yet. Yeah, so. Exactly. It's still, but, it's but, the, the concrete still setting. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and so let's talk about sort of sustainability. I mean, what do we mean by this? I mean, like break this down for us and give us a, a little bit, you know, a, a more advanced kind of education here on, you know, what goes into this question of sustainability when it comes to packaging? What are the kind of dynamics and ins and outs of the things you think about, the things that the market thinks about and, and how this is all playing out from a packaging point of view? hundred percent. Yeah, this is the... Uh, Basically, what I spend my time every day <laughs> racking my head against, yeah. you know, all saying what when customers reach out, folks reach out, you know, we want we want sustainable packaging, we want to do better with our products, and then I kind of you know, like buzzwords will be thrown around: compostability, biodegradability, recyclability, and then for for me and I think everyone in the world of sustainability, it's really trying to define for ourselves and that customer what they're really asking when when they want yeah. something sustainable, right? Because I think all of our environmental issues have been kind of roofed under, you know, put under one roof basically, where we're not looking at them individually, right? Like we can't tackle the water issue while tackling carbon at the same, you know, they're, they're con- everything's connected, yeah. but things need to be attacked at different separately basically. And, and then there's this whole idea of, you know, everything, you know, regionality of sustainability, right? Like the concerns for folks in the East coast are probably not the concerns, it's the same concerns for folks on the West Coast in a lot of instances, you know, water, water usage being one of them, we can dive down into air quality, soil, all the different factors that really we need to take into consideration. And so that's really where we want to, you know, make it a starting point for our consumers because no one, we don't really, you know, it's all, all these need to be attacked from many different angles. If we, if we just attack carbon and, you know, ignore everything else, we'll, we'll have issues. They all, they're all, coming to a head. And so, you know, for a customer purchasing a product, it's like, what do you want out of this? Are you someone who is trying to move away from products that support the fossil fuel industry? Okay. If that's so, let's look at this a little differently. If you're someone who strictly is trying to support recycling and wanting to encourage that industry, okay, let's look at it this way. If you're someone who wants to be disruptive in the recycling industry and say, you know, this industry isn't working as it should, how do we fix it? All right, another angle to look at. And so that's really what we are trying to do is, you know, helping customers and companies define what sustainability means to them and then put options in front of them that help them reach those goals. And, you know, with packaging that really comes down to their consumers interaction with their product. You know, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of a lot of considerations that need to be taken, you know, for example, for packaging a perishable good. Right. But the consumer is asking for sustainable packaging. But in reality, providing them you know, so-called sustainable packaging is decreasing the amount of time that the product they're buying is you know, edible. Yeah. Well, then, you know, we're putting on a lot of energy to produce that product in the first place to get it to you. We sure should consider how long it's going to last on the shelf. Yeah. yeah, it seems like there's a bunch of trade offs. I mean, uh, the kind of the shelf life. I mean, there's probably, uh, you know, obviously a cost component. You know, there's levels of kind of quote, sort of levels of sustainability. What do you feel are kind of the levers or the the variables that you end up playing with when you're thinking about like what packages should we develop? What packages do we want to bring to market? How do I get the right you know mix of this stuff to customers? What, what are the factors that are kind of going through your mind when you're thinking about your your package design, you know, pack, product development? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on the the head there with the word trade off, right? That yeah. is, and then you know, this is where we are right now as a society. No matter where we look at packaging, there's no 
silver bullet that's going to solve every issue. It's already on a path forward, moving in the right direction to to get to a point where we can buy and sell goods um, responsibly, right? And so there's going to be all these trade-offs along the way. Um, but while making those trade-offs, you know, really consider, is this getting to the root of the problem, right? Um, and I think a lot of those trade-offs that, you know, we talk about with customers, for example, are, you know, cost versus transportation distance, right? So I think one of the big things that we can consider in packaging is the idea of a global global supply chain. And is that really what we need for packaging, right? So there's this idea that, you know, by using all the resources that the, the whole globe has to offer, we can create efficiencies and produce those products at the lowest cost possible, right? And that's kind of been the traditional traditional model with a lot of our products and especially packaging. And at the end of the day, the, you know, we have to look at both the upstream and downstream impacts of that product. So what's going in to producing it? How far are those products traveling? I think, you know, when we when someone says sustainable products to us and then they want me to go overseas to make it for cheaper, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you you know, now I'm just pulling a cloak over your eyes. You know, yeah. you, you said this is sustainable. But like, once again, what from what angle are you looking at sustainability? So is it just the the downstream, just the end of the end of life of it? You know, yeah. and that's really for me, it's difficult because all the conversations we have about the downstream, you know, the end of life where it's like, is this recyclable? Is this biodegradable? Yeah. It's yeah. this compostable. But really, that's only scratching the surface of the real issue at hand, right? So the amount of upstream waste versus downstream waste. So it's considered non-hazardous industrial waste. So the stuff that's not, you know, hasn't not going to landfill from from consumers, but going being put somewhere on the earth by industry, basically, right? Yeah. And so this is this statistic is a couple couple years old, but it just kind of gives gives an idea of what we're working with. The amount of material that's the non-hazardous industrial waste is about seven billion tons of of waste. Okay. What we're talking about downstream and what everyone is concerned about is two hundred million tons. So oh interesting. So there's far more. There's like up twenty, twenty, almost thirty times the impact upstream than there is downstream. Exactly. And that is really where we as consumers and manufacturers and producers of these products have to start thinking about this stuff, right? Like we can put as much responsibility on the consumer and put, you know, put it all on them. But really the, the where these changes are gonna happen is from from the from the manufacturers. And so, you know, the consumers, the best that they can do is, you know, reduce, reuse all, all and recycle all that stuff. But then once they've done all of that, what's happening, right? Are the manufacturers purchasing recycled content to make their products? Are they themselves reducing, reusing, figuring out ways to become more efficient versus the bottom line, right? So yeah. if it means bringing packaging local, you know, for example, for our company, we've had many folks in uh, South America looking for a product and many folks have asked, you know, think it's a good idea for us to manufacture our products in South America and then ship those ones up to North America. Like that's, that's a thing that we see a lot as well. It's at least on the same continent type of thing. Yeah. But really like what we would do and what we're trying to do and what we our, our goal is to say, you know, our North American products will be manufactured in North America or, you know, our American products specifically are manufactured for American companies and our Canadian products are in Canada manufactured there, you know, for Canadian companies and 
and vi- and vice versa. Mm-hmm. If we're manufacturing in South America, that's for South American companies because those are be- those are the areas and the localities that are being affected by the products and goods that they're creating, right? And so we can't just put all of our production of our of our goods and services or all of our waste yeah. on other countries or other or other states. You know, like for example, you know, New York City, all of their waste and you know all that <laughs> is being transported to Pennsylvania. Yeah. Are Pennsylvanians really stoked about that? Probably not. But yeah. there's certain tech, uh, you know communities in Pennsylvania that also benefit from the money that New York City's paying them to, to to bring that trash to them. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the recycling issue is what it is, is because we've been sending all of our material to distant lands where some of it gets repurposed, but globally, you know, we're less than nine percent. So yeah. that's the reality. And it, you know, it's just getting put somewhere. And when things, you know, it biodegrades, it, you know, it, even if it's composting, it's not a lot of the compostable plastics are not breaking down in the time period needed. And those are going to landfill, too. So yeah. these are these are the realities. And if they are the realities, whose responsibility is it to fix those realities? Is it the consumers or is it the companies that are perpetuating this and, and benefiting the most off of it? Yeah. And that's really, I think, the transition that that needs to happen. And, you know, that back to those trade offs. Those yeah, exactly. trades need to be made by the manufacturers, the producers, and say, you know, is it what is most important for us as as a business right now? It's interesting. Uh, so if I'm a if I'm an edible company and I'm figuring out, okay, what what are my packaging solutions? If I if I just look at sort of end of life, meaning you know, if I say, look, I, I want a package that's going to be recyclable or biodegrade versus one that you know is just going to go into a landfill. Well, while I may be, I may have a package that has a low end of life impact. If I look at the full life impact, you know, if I've I've got a biodegradable package, but it's it's made in China, and the processes used to make it have all sorts of byproducts, and I'm now shipping it across the world, versus another package that may not be biodegradable, but if it's sourced locally with reused materials and a low impact way, I may have. I may have less environmental impact using a non-recyclable product than I would having a recyclable product just because of the of the full life cycle impact that it has and how it's manufactured. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, like the, the fact that there's a lot of people that we're making the case that because or if, if we're going to send our recycled materials overseas to be sorted and then they end up in the ocean, like we'd be much better off sending that to landfill. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like better just that, bury it. Risk better, it. Better just bury it. But then, the, you know, the reverse is that of that is then we are making no progress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then we just we are just we're sending valuable resources to to landfill forever, yeah. and so then it, then the conversation becomes okay. We want biodegradable packaging or we're compostable. I don't like to use the word biodegradable just because it hasn't really been defined properly. Yeah. Yeah. So we want we want uh, let's let's say we want compostable packaging, but yet like you said, we go and produce it. You know, we have it made of overseas somewhere wherever, and it, it could be being made here in the United States. Like that don't that they do not have good manufacturing processes, right? Yeah. Or the company in and of itself. I mean, let, let's look and look back in time and see who was lobbying, you know, governments yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, to move away from better waste waste systems and stuff. You know, how have we gotten ourselves into the system? So it's like, yeah, really, what is it that we're supporting? What are we really trying to get to at the end of the day? If we believe that, you know, the regulators here in the United States and our manufacturing processes are 
are more stringent than some other countries. And that's probably one of the reasons why the cost is increased. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, that's that's part of that whole consideration of the upstream downstream thing. And I think that's where a lot of us were. If if we can start thinking about it more holistically, we will make a lot better decisions around yeah. around it. And I think, you know, that's exactly what those who don't want to change the system want us to think. Right. Is <laughs> yeah. This, uh, you know, the answer is within just continuing to do the single option that is, is presented in front minimal, of us. But minimal it, change. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, and how much do you feel like I'm curious, you're, you know, in, in terms of the work you've done and the sort of the clients you've worked with and the kind of the markets that you've interacted with, you know, how much of this is people want, you know, truly low impact products and how much do people want products that have a perceived <laughs> you know, low impact? Like there's always that, like I, I want something that looks like it's biodegradable or has a low impact, you know, and I want it, you know, I want it to look like paper or I want it to, you know, seem like something that's post-consumer content, you know, versus something that, you know, they really truly want, you know, measurable, you know, end-to-end, you know, sustainability, e- even if the package doesn't necessarily look sustainable, you know, it doesn't maybe have visual qualities of sustainability. I'm curious what, like how much you run into that of, you know, is it really sustainable or does it just look sustainable? Yeah, great, great question there. We, this is another one of those things that, you know, continually, banging my head against the yeah. wall trying to figure out what what's the right thing right path forward with this because i think there's two two ways to look at it one is if someone is coming to me and saying i want sustainable packaging because it's going to help my product help us sell more product you know at the end of the day i can say great does it matter why they want to sell the product or is it more important that they're putting it in the right package and that's kind of you know yeah. when we say you know consumer consumers can drive you know the market basically yeah. i think that's what we're seeing there and i think that's really great but there's the flip side of it too where you get the customer where you're kind of bringing up things where i want something that appears to be sustainable yeah but isn't right. You know, I was just at a trade show and someone came up to me and they, we have our our products and we try to encourage using white materials because that has a higher likelihood to be recycled and a higher value on the market, things like that. And they wanted very specifically plastic piece that looked like wood, you know, can you coat, can you get the, can you get a wood appearance on this? And there's companies that do that. And I'm like, yes, I can do that. But we as a company will not do that. I am working on creating one that is truly made out of wood. Yeah. Uh, reclaim sawdust, you know, those types of things that can be done. It's going to cost a lot more. But I think we do get ourselves in a danger if we, you know, back to that consumer's willingness to pay. And if the consumer thinks or believes that they're buying a more craft or more sustainable product and are paying more for that, and the company is just using this packaging to increase their margin. Yeah versus solve the issue, then I think that really that company needs to evaluate why they're doing what they're doing. And it's hard for us. Like I, I can't nitpick on, you know, I don't ask, I can't go and ask all of our customers, hey, are you doing this because this is really what you want to do? Or is this because you're trying to sell product? Because at the end of the day, we need more sustainable materials in the marketplace. Yeah. And so that goes back to let's make sure that we're choosing products and material types that are moving us in the right direction and not just appeasing to this, you know, facade, basically, that yeah. we're moving in the right direction. So I think that's very much a uh, an internal question everyone can ask themselves. And, you know, it, we we always just encourage and try to put out, hey, this is why this is being done this way. And then, yeah, we, we, you won't see any products coming from us that appear to be something yeah, other than yeah, that. Yeah, faux, faux sustainable. <laughs> uh, yeah. Interesting. And 
how, I mean, you mentioned price here. I mean, uh, you know, the, the industry is, you know, I think has gone through, you know, shifts the last uh, couple quarters, right? Where in the, I think in the beginning, you know, there was, there was a lot of money floating around. The prices were high, or at least the perceived prices were high. People were spending a lot of money to, you know, just develop great product and get on its shelves and get consumers. I think, you know, there's the, the squeeze has developed a little bit around, um, you know, really to be able to run these businesses effectively. You know, there's they really need to look at cost controls and pricing and stuff. Well, I guess what have you noticed around, you know, your component to the you know, kind of the cost structure of these end products. What's been happening to prices? Are price points changing? What are people willing to invest in, not invest in? How have you seen the kind of market play out in terms of uh, the economics? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we as a packaging company and packaging traditionally falls in the, this is basically come up with sell our product. If you look at other things in the business world, there doesn't seem to be such a sensitivity to price, right? Like I see companies going out all the time, extravagant parties, nice hotels, expensive rental cars, things like that, that I I don't know if there's such a value add to the product or anything other than it looks nice and we're appearing to be big, right? And yeah. there seems yeah. to be very little sensitivity, you know, like no one's thinking about cost cutting in those in those areas. But when it comes to packaging, surely we can, if we can save a pack, it's very easy, right? Like yeah. with packaging, it's like here I'm buying 10,000 caps. They cost 10 cents a unit. These ones cost 11 cents a unit. Okay, let's go with the 10 cents. That's a smart business decision. I am throwing a a party for a group of people that I want to impress much harder to value, you know, do we go with the $10 per person cocktail or the $8 per person cocktail? I don't know. Right. And so that's where I think once again, it kind of comes down to what's your goal as a business. Do you put sustainability and, you know, the environment as a, one of the, the most important things for your business to, to continue to operate? If so, start to examine some of those those costs out there. I think the industry is built with a lot of interesting increased costs. Like, you know, Colorado, if you want to, in other states, this is true. You can't use a credit card in a store. There's a three, anywhere from 2 to $5 credit card charge on every purchase, yep. whether you're spending $5, 500 So that's one, you know, very little value add, but, you know, people are paying that, right? So then companies should look at that and say, you know, there's, there's other ways. I can integrate the cost of sustainability into my product right off. Off the bat, and I think there's examples all over the camp. I mean, you know, look at the tax rate, right? Yeah. So there's a there's a huge thing there that if we could, um, you know, encourage sustainable businesses practices, things like that. There's just there's a lot of ways that sustainability doesn't have to be this huge lift or huge price increase, but with that being said, to truly make something sustainable or an improvement from, you know, excessive uh, resource extraction or human capital um, exploitation, we might have to increase the cost of things a little bit, right? That's just, that's just the nature of things. But also there might be some efficiencies too. Like if we do have hyper-localized packaging with various material types, you know, we might be reducing shipping costs. Like that would be, that'd be the end goal, right? Like a reduction in shipping costs will actually mean a reduction in our carbon footprint, right? Like those two things coincide. And so those are, those are the things where, you know, for example, just our trajectory as a company, right? Like a startup packaging company, not, not a traditional play. Everything for us, we have to go out and build molds to produce our products. Obviously, you know, the money that we had starting off, limits us 
in the size mold that we're able to build, right? And the size mold that we build, uh, the larger the larger mold we're able to build, the more pre- parts we'll be able to produce at, at, at a given Got it. time, decreased cost, right? And so, you know, getting more folks on board with this this message is key, right? Like I tell people all the time, you know, people ask us, are you, they see other sustainable packaging companies in the, in the cannabis space and stuff. And, you know, are you concerned about that? Is that a problem for you? And I am a hundred percent on board with anyone else who wants to start making cannabis packaging and truly work towards sustainability with it, because that's, what's going to drive down cost, right? Like that, once the, yeah. the supply chain is built out, normalized, you know, like with our hemp based materials, right? Like we just, hemp just went, just went federally legal. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at any any supply chain, like these things take time to develop, right? Like we are still dealing with massive price fluctuations that make it really difficult for us to make any profit on that product. And that's just the nature of it. We knew that was going to be the case, but we're willing to make that commitment to the product itself. You know, we yeah. price our ocean products the same as our hemp products. Our ocean products have a better margin than our hemp products. We know that we want to transition towards a plant-based future with our single-use materials. How are we going to get there? Well, if our if our hemp-based products are two to three times the cost of the of the ocean products, we probably won't sell many of those hemp products, right? Yeah. And so we feel like the best thing that we can do is continue to sell these different materials to develop the supply chain so that other people can come in and do the exact same thing and normalize this so that we you know, can make progress. Yeah. And it seems like there's a kind of a total cost calculation too. I mean, you mentioned earlier this whole, you know, well, you, your package has to keep your products fresh and it has to, you know, stack well and it has to be, you know, if, if you're paying a lot in shipping or, you know, have to pay for all this space to store you know, the, the empty pieces because they, you know, they don't, they don't nest well. And like, it takes up a lot of space or, you know, it just, it feels like some of this, if you just look at it as what's my unit cost for the package and don't really think through what is the total cost of this package solution for this versus another package solution. And maybe, you know, they're easier to fill or there's more manual labor in one package versus another. It just, it feels like there's a whole host of questions or considerations when you're looking at different package solutions. And And if you just look at the unit economics, you may be in a situation where you're yeah you may be saving uh you know a penny a, a penny on a unit but you may be adding three four five cents per unit with other complexities that this that that solution happens to you know cause in your overall system yeah i mean we try to get that uh, across the folks and now that's really where we as a business are trying to yes we're going to call it char- charge more for for the material type but how can we set it up so that your overall cost and your headaches and just your ability to run your business are made a lot easier, right? Like the, especially in cannabis packaging, like we see it all the time with folks. And and this is one of the things from the regular regulators is I wish they could just kind of (laughs) make a rule. Good luck. (laughs) And and just stick with it for a a little bit of time, right? Like a month with labeling requirements and stuff. It's like, you know, someone goes out, they order, you know, 50,000 labels they come up, they come in from overseas or something, you know, cause it's a six week lead time or whatever it is. And, Oh, and, and then they've applied them to the tubes too. So now we've, we've lost both the tube and the label yeah. and we can't, and we can't, can't work with that. Right. Yeah. Um, what do we do with that product? How do we, there's, there's just those types of things all over the place. And oh, I think, yeah, with us, with our products, we, we drop ship directly to our customers. 
we don't, you know, our lead times are that we ship within 48 hours, so they don't have to warehouse material. Yeah. They can basically, you know, they don't have to hold up a, a ton of capital, those types of things. And so we hope that that's, you know, kind of once again, you know, just going trying to position a packaging company to kind of fit the needs of uh, this new industry, basically. Yeah. Uh, super important. And what do you see? I'm just kind of, you mentioned the regulatory side, <laughs> and it's, I'm sure that's a, a very long conversation, but I guess just what do you see coming coming down the pike in terms of regulatory issues that are going to affect packaging, and what, what do you think, you know, pe- people that are consuming packaging, purchasing packaging, or, you know, are dealing with packaging in their business, what do they need to kind of anticipate or realize or, or understand in terms of what's likely going to change or, or how this market is going to be dynamic? in the next um, you know 12 24 months yeah i mean this is a the big the big question yeah. right <laughs> yeah. with packaging i i have you know my my opinions on on certain things around you know what regulations are really making it hard for sustainable packaging um, i think you know we really need to have a conversation around child resistant what products need to be child resistant which ones don't need to be child resistant i think yeah. there's some things around like opacity you know color things like that where it's it just makes it hard for the consumer the company packaging it the packaging company, the waste company, everyone who's involved in the system, there's things in there that are that are difficult. And then, you know, I think there's the, you know, a lot of the conversations around cannabis packaging or, you know, how do we, or with regulation, can we encourage certain types of packaging or behavior types? And I think that one, once again, is also a really becomes a dangerous conversation because when, are, are we, you know, back to that, are we just looking at the the uh, the upstream or downstream, or, you know, just looking at downstream, because it always seems when regulations come into play, yeah. it's narrowly looking at downstream and where how that affects, because that's what the consumer is talking about, and that's where you know we feel the issue lies. Um, so I mean, I, I think the biggest thing moving forward with with cannabis packaging is really trying to hone in on which product type. And, and packaging type, what matches up, like what makes sense for which product, right? Yeah. From a starting point. And then going from there is, are the regulations actually um, accomplishing what they're set out to accomplish? Yeah, yeah I think. Well, always the challenge with regulations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, uh, I think the biggest thing is that there's, we're living in real time. Everything is happening very quickly. Um, and, you know, what is true today might not be true tomorrow. So yeah. those are kind of, uh, you know, just I think, Keeping an open mind and while still being very critical of what what's going on is uh, is probably the best best we can do at this point. Yeah, Ron, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Sauna, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, uh, so easiest way is to reach out to us via email. My email is Ron at saunapackaging.com. We also have an info at saunapackaging.com. If neither of those work, there's also James at saunapackaging.com. <laughs> So you can you can have try all of those and I, I promise you will uh, you'll get to one of us. But no, really, uh, you know we have our website www.sonapackaging.com. Instagram's a great place to you know see see a lot of uh, stuff from our customers what they're putting out. Awesome. Yeah, we we love to have this conversation with folks. So please never hesitate to reach out. Yeah, I'll put uh, I'll put the links and the handles and the emails and the 
in the show notes here so people can click through and they get that. Ron, this has been great. I think your packaging is one of these fascinating areas. You know, it's there's so much kind of technology and innovation that's happening here. It's such a key kind of cost component. Uh, you know, just kind of the economics of it is fascinating. And uh, I'm just I'm really curious to see how the regulation side plays out, the product innovation side plays out, particularly as as this market just continually grows and just gets bigger and bigger. So I'm curious how companies handle this. I'm I'm excited to see how you guys do and I look forward to uh, future conversations as as things evolve. But I appreciate your time today. Yeah, really appreciate you having me on and uh, letting me talk about packaging. Awesome. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, take it easy. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.